Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. And I passed this to we know that each and every breath we take is an example of unconditional, free-flowing abundance from our source. God is the source of all our substance and supply. We align ourselves with the frequency of clear thinking and open ourselves to receive all that is good because God is all there is. We allow prosperity consciousness to flow and multiply into our experience. We surrender to the law of abundance, law of circulation, give and take, and free ourselves of any limiting thoughts and beliefs that is not of abundance and prosperity. We release them from our systems of thought and allow them to dissipate and disappear in the violet light of love. Instead, we take into our mind and heart this Holy Spirit so confident and free that is boundless and endless. We open to accept and allow our good to flow into our being and into our life, every breath that we take. And we share this truth that we are abundant, that we are perfect and complete to each and every one of us and to everyone on planet Earth. Amen. And we bless this class today. We bless everyone who is in the class, everyone who is going to listen to the playback knowing that we are all in this fun playground and this journey of expanding together, how exciting it is and how blessed we are. In peace and love and gratitude, we say together now, so it is. Amen. And so it is. Amen. Jesse? Good morning. Hey, sorry. I, I took your okay as okay. Call in. We're ready. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I, I texted Mark to let me know when you guys were done so I didn't. It's like a bulldozer when I enter in with those uh, chimes. So, anyways, perfect. Oh, I'm sure it was perfect for everyone. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, guys. Well, it's so good to connect with you, our first post-retreat class. So I'd like to uh, begin by just saying, one, how grateful I am that everybody really showed up with their A-game and uh, how beautiful it is to be able to connect with one another in that capacity. And I'd like to just take a minute to go around and share your thoughts and experiences, uh, Brandon will probably be calling in in about five minutes or so. Um, and, 
Yeah, that's it. Uh, why don't we start, uh, Mark, since you started with the, the blessing, why don't you go ahead and share? Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, the retreat for me, I mean, as you all know, was, was uh, a journey, as it typically is, um, and it was so good. Um, obviously, some things came up to, to be looked at and healed and worked with, um, and I did, and it was, felt good. Um, it really was so great to be with and around everyone. Um, though I know logistically it's not always, uh, the, let's say, easiest path. It's for us all to get together, but, uh, it's so good when we do because, uh, I just so feel you guys, um, energetically, uh, in a way that when we're in person that, uh, it's just really special. Um, so, I'm so grateful to have had the weekend. Um, I'm so grateful uh, I didn't injure myself <laughs> walking on snow and ice for a few days. Uh, so that was a blessing uh, for sure for me. Um, and, you know, it was interesting coming back earlier this week. Um, I really felt this sense of, like on Monday, the sense of just feeling good, like kind of a natural high on Monday. Um, even my workout was like, wow, like I have so much energy, um, which I usually don't have on a Monday. Um, so I felt really good. And, and I also noticed as I went throughout the week, like how much, um, like I, I, there was almost kind of like this missing, like, you know, just being able to have a few days where I really was just present in my day and in the moment and being able to just like let someone else lead my life and tell me what to do and where to go um, instead of be the one always like, okay, what's next? What, what's next on the thing to check off? Uh, it's just so nice. Um, so it was a little bit of a transition, but also an interesting insight as I kind of moved back into my work week of like, wow, I want to have that more. I want to have that, even if it's just a day, you know, on a regular basis where it's just like, there's, I'm just kind of handing it over and just kind of being in the flow of, of what someone else is creating for me. It's just, it is really healing and special. So, um, so all is well in my world. Uh, some of you might have found on Facebook. I had a really, uh, I, had, I had a full week in many ways, but um, I had an audition this week um, for, um, you know, TV opportunities that pop up here and there for me. And, uh, you know, we'll see what comes of it, but uh, as with everything, constant learning opportunity um and that's that's the goodness of it all um and it's like i'm just so grateful that i am starting to see life as that like it's really nothing more than an opportunity to just say okay where am i at my practice and you know where can i i stretch and expand myself into another level of peace and joy um so i feel Everything is working for me, and uh, I'm grateful to be able to see that for myself. So all is well, and that's where I'm at. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, great share, Mark. Uh, Soki, how about you? Soki, you might be on mute. Uh, I'm here. Oh, what happened to me after the retreat is uh, I'm so happy to be home on our way 
I have to hide because I have this. Anyway, I'm happy to be home on our way home. Lisa and I went to, yeah, we passed by avocados. And we got lots of avocados, abundant. Three, four dollars, and gave, I gave it all away to my neighbors. And I came home and read my love letter to my wife. And she was so happy. <laughs> we had a great S, and a spiritual uh, exchange after the retreat. And I'm so energized, and everything is manifesting in accordance to God's will, not my will. But I see God in everything that I do. So I'm on the journey. I'm excited of how, how what will unfold into my life next month because I will be out of my job uh, by the end of March. That's it. I'm so grateful. Beautiful. Really beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Gorgeous. Uh, Jennifer. Yeah, so at the retreat, um, I walked away with a lot of questions ruminating about how to create a more peaceful life, a life that's more aligned to bringing in space for spiritual practice and space for you know, what, whatever God's will is, definitely still living by my own will, um, and really contemplating my four years, my four-year contract, and, um, and really trying to just, you know, think through where it's all going and what it's all for, and so that's been a really great inquiry, and it's really helping me see that, you know, it's really helping me get present to what I create in my life and how I'm creating in my life. And so much more to come from that, I'm sure. Um, really, I think walked, walked away really, you know, we've been in this small groups training with, with Mark Anthony Lord and, you know, seeing my small group up close and personal was really powerful. And then seeing sort of this extended community of practitioners and sort of being able to celebrate with them and get to know them in a face-to-face kind of way. I really think those, those are the interactions because in my everyday life, I just don't have a lot of people that want to talk about God and want to like share their God experiences who feel comfortable um, just being raw and open. And I think having a building a community around that and having a community around that is going to be super valuable. It's super valuable to me today, and I know it will be super valuable to me the rest of my days. So loved meeting the new practitioners and just think as a body of, you know, inspire practitioners as a body should really, you know, stay intact in some way. And, um, yeah, just full of love and light. Beautiful. Thank you. Great share. You sound good. Um, Martha, what's going on with you, girlfriend? Well, I didn't go to the retreat, so. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, I wasn't there. Well, then who was that? I don't know who went in my place. Did who was that when I was calling Martha? <laughs> yeah, 
I had originally planned to go to the retreat, and for some reason, I don't know, just something kept telling me, like, I don't know, I wasn't supposed to be there that weekend for some reason. And nothing in particular, it's just, yeah, I just, I just knew, like, peacefully, it just, I wasn't supposed to be there. Um, so I'm so good. Um, keeping up with my meditation and busy at work this week and starting to pack to move. So um, all is well. Still happy. Kind of wish that I would have been there because I do feel like, maybe, you know, you miss out on stuff. But um, I know that I wasn't for whatever reason. So I'll take it as that and be happy anyway. That's Amen. All. Yeah, beautiful. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. And uh, Brandon, you hopped on. We're just sort of sharing, uh, checking in uh, about how retreat was, post-retreat, how you're doing now. So it's all yours. Hi, everyone. Um, retreat was great. I didn't leave with any resentments, which is kind of a miracle. <laughs> um it was really good. It was really nice to meet everyone, um, meet with everyone from Prac 3 as well. And um, what else? Oh, I don't know. Nothing's really been up this week. Same old, same old. Powerful. That's Thank it. you, Brandon. <laughs> Well, I think we were all transformed by that in-depth ex- exploration of. <laughs> um, good. It's good. To, well, it's good to connect with you guys again. Uh, I'm not sure where Ellie is. She's circulating, circling the stratosphere somewhere. I'm sure she'll come in and land sometime before class is over. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I came back. It was like, God, it was like um, a universal body slam. Well. Monday, I will say, I took completely off. Like, I didn't want to – I barely tried not to leave the couch. But uh, the universe, having a sense of humor, um, you know, I got, we got a call that morning about uh, an infant that was dropped off at a hospital, and they uh, were really encouraging us to go forward with it. So I talked to Chris, and we decided to go forward with it. And by the end of the day – you know, there was miscommunications, lines were crossed, not on our end, on the end of the social workers working with each other. And so it didn't unfold. It didn't happen. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, that was how the week started. So we were sort of like just waiting. When you get to call, you sort of wait until you get the green lights. We didn't know if we had to go get a crib, get diaper, get whatever, you know. And so we were just waiting and then at the the last conversation we had she said why don't you guys go ahead and take that vacation you're planning so <laughs> we took that as a indicator that probably wasn't going to happen this week at least so um and then uh you know we have a ministerial program about to begin we have your final um module and a incoming group of practitioners that are starting to really bubble and so we're do, we're getting all of the modules ready, and um, it's been really great now that we've had, you know, three rounds of practitioners to really think about what works, what did, what what I would like to see more present, especially in that first module, and 
so it's been a fun sort of exploring that. Also, I have a new uh, a new text that I'm going to send out to everybody, and it's a, it's an ebook. Um, and uh, I wish I would have had this before for last module when we looked at life after death. It's a really beautiful, uh, clear essay on sort of a course in miracles. Uh, relationship with like perspective on death by Alan Watson. And so I'm going to send it out to you guys just so you have it for your records and encourage everyone to read it. It's super clear. It's super great. It's about 40 pages long. Um, And uh, it's definitely that sort of that missing element that I think will help um, create a, a stronger container for us to go through testimony of light. Uh, and uh Anyway, so I'll send that out to you guys by the end of the week. Um, and also just checking with you guys, hopefully by the end of class, you'll have the uh, spiritual counseling evaluation forms for you guys to send out uh, to your clients and everything like that. Uh, we're just transferring it from the Google Doc was on my personal uh, drive, and so we're just transferring it all over to the Inspired Drive. So Lisa's working on that right now. Anyhow. Yeah, so good, busy things are going. I'm really excited for our seven-year anniversary celebration tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> I'm excited for just everything. I think it's just such a wonderful time to be in this community. It's just so awesome, and um, I just love us. I love what we're doing. I love all of the amazing. I mean, the this uh, this um, you know, Brandon said something at retreat, and it really like clicked, and I. I got that, you know, like I'm really at this place where I'm trusting uh, the level of the the consciousness of all the participants in the practitioner program and the ministers to where, you know, Brandon said to allow their, like uh, in our visioning, he said to have a clearer representation of other ministers, you know, uh, available. So it's not, doesn't just appear to be me. And we're so at that place now where I just am seeing all these amazing spiritual teachers emerging, you know, are not even emerging. I think they've emerged, but that they're just standing in their light. And uh, it's so thrilling to be, to witness everybody's transformation and growth and even going even deeper with uh, new practitioners and this ministerial program. And I was talking to Reverend Roxy yesterday about some of the stuff and she's, I mean, it's it's interesting, like, you listen to her speak, and it, sometimes she sounds like she's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but it's just because she's, it's and, and it is cuckoo to Cocoa Puffs to the ego. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay, well, I'm really excited to let the ministers have conversations with you and really, you know, really go there, you know, because I think it's fun and important to do that. And um, anyhow, I just feel very excited about everything that's in transpiring and feel so grateful for each and every one of you. What a, what a gift to, to walk this path with you. Truly mighty companions indeed. So um, I'd like to dive into a little work. So if uh, you would, let's take, you know, 90 seconds to two minutes to pull up the um, worksheets from this week, the ones that were mailed out to you guys on Friday. And we're going to go over some of the spiritual counseling stuff. Um, Review work together. So go ahead and 
pull up the modules. Uh, when you click the link, <clears throat> there's two types of worksheets that come up. One, you have the uh, Word documents, and then you have the PDFs. So you can choose either to look at the Word documents or if you click PDF, you scroll down, you'll see all of the PDFs or all the worksheets. We do that because, excuse me, sorry. We do that actually for Magali because um, Magali can, uh, you know, she has a special program on her, her computer that will read the Word documents, but they can't do it on the PDF. So I find for myself the PDFs are easier to read because the watermarking, for whatever reason, is lighter on my documents. Um, some people have the experience where the watermarking on the sheets are really vibrant, so it's hard to read the text that's over them. Whatever works best for you is what I'm really getting at here. What I'm getting at is do whatever you want to do. <laughs> okay, so when you have the week eight worksheets, scroll down to um, the one, I think it's page pages four to five, and it's the week eight worksheet, Spiritual Counseling Review. And we're going to go through these questions, and we're going to allow each question to uh, ignite a conversation, and I'll just facilitate the conversation. I'm not going to really participate in it. I'll just help you guys sort of facilitate so you guys can review. Um, so number one is, what is the role of a spiritual counselor in the healing process? What is the role of a spiritual counselor in the healing process? The circle is open. The role of the spiritual counselor in the healing process is to be, and I just closed my document, is to be a channel for God. Yeah, beautiful. Who, who would like to who would like to expand on that? What does she mean when she says channel of God? I would add to that um, to offer mind treatment to remember for and with the client the truth of their oneness with God. Beautiful. Yes. Uh huh. Who else would like to add to that? I would suggest, too, that another way, pretty much another way of saying exactly what you both said was to mirror the truth back to the person, you know, to be a reflection of God's love and to... Um, be a support system, you know, uh, a loving, a loving guide, or you know, a facilitator that's holding the space, like Mark said and like Jennifer said, for it to allow you know that God consciousness to express and remind them through the practice of treatment and active listening. Would anyone else have anything they'd like to add to number one? Okay, number two, what is the purpose of a consultation? What is the purpose of consultation?
to give an overview of expectations and to feel out if this person is potentially interested in a spiritual solution. Yeah, really good insight there, Brandon. The, sp- uh, the spiritual solution, the spiritual solution. Why is it important that we're looking for people interested in the spiritual solution? Because that's all we're interested in giving. Uh-huh. Well, that and, and, and SAS. We're interested in spiritual solution and SAS. I met God. She's black. <laughs> As Alfreda posted yesterday. <laughs> I think we all need that shirt, by the way. <laughs> I bought the hoodie. I bought the sweatshirt. You did? Oh, God. I'll be wearing it to church every week. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Would anyone else like to add to that? I'll just add that... Uh... It's a chance, it is, it is to offer the consultee a chance to see the truth and realize the God presence for themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also the time where you get crystal clear about, you know, the container and the, um, the specifics of your business. Right, so it's the time that you you share what your rate is. If there's a sliding scale, you give them the information on how that works for you. You let them know, you know, how long a session is. Uh, make it clear, you know. We talked a lot about time integrity. You know, let them know, like, uh, you know, get clear as like uh, uh, something that I find to be helpful is have them make their donation or charge before before you actually see them in person. We do this because that way you can say, in essence, you know, uh, after 10 minutes, we respect the integrity of our our time commitment together. And if you're more than 10 or 15 minutes, whatever it is that you cut yourself, you know, technically the the, uh, session is over and, uh, but there's not a refund, you know, and say maybe, you know, there's a refund if you give me 24 hours notice or 48 hours notice. So it's just a way to begin to, uh, you know, we're creating a container so they see that you respect your time, you respect their time, you respect the process, and that there is an organizational component to it. And in that, you know, we talked about creating a safe environment. People feel safe with structure. They just feel safe with structure. They just do. And oftentimes, if people resist that kind of structure, that's exactly what is coming up for healing. You know, it's that very thing that they're resisting that is probably going to support them the most in the healing process. And it also lets them know that you respect yourself. And then that's an invitation for them to respect the channel in which the divine is moving through as well. So... Any other thoughts on the consultation? How long should a consultation be generally? 55 minutes. That's a session. A session should be about 55 minutes, generally. You know, you feel into it. Yeah, I'd say 15, 15 minutes to a half an hour max. And I would even 
speak that into the consultation. Say there's a free 15-minute or free 30-minute consultation and then conclude by the end of that 30 minutes. So you establish right away that you're organized, that you honor the time integrity, you honor their commitment, and uh, yeah, and whatever needs to be said can be said in that amount of time. Because then it turns into a counseling session if it's not, you know. Okay. Number three, name as many elements as you can that should be present when creating a safe space. A safe space should be clean with tissue paper, spring water, fragrance-free, allergies, uh, trigger-free, and if you have pets, notify the your client and make sure that it's okay with him or her, and uh, you should be appropriately dressed with. Uh, also need a, a trash can for for the tissue too. They can freely drop their tissue and not be disturbed where to put it. Yeah, beautiful. What else? Anybody else? Yeah, I also had a, an, a, a, the counselor in an appropriate outfit as well as uh, just no clutter or distractions in your quiet, private space. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. All right, gorgeous. So uh, number four, in your own words, please define holding space. What is holding space? Holding, holding space, space is knowing. Go ahead. Sorry. Look, holding space is knowing the truth about uh, yourself and your client, and also uh, putting yourself in a state of equanimity or non-judgment. Yep. Perfect. Gorgeous. Perfectly said. Anyone else? Yep, it's just knowing the truth that God is all there is. Remember the story of the 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 older lady who was a practitioner. It was just mumbled to herself, not a word of truth in it. <laughs> not a word of truth in it. So what's the purpose of the opening GODS blessing? The purpose of the opening GODS blessing is to Set the tone and hand the session over to God. Gorgeous. What's the purpose of the closing GODS blessing? It's a blessing. Uh, the opening is a blessing to hand over to the Holy Spirit everything that uh, will transpire and to raise the session into a higher vibration of uh, divinity. And uh, also the closing GODS is to let go and let God uh, offer everything, also handing over to the Holy Spirit, whatever uh, is the result of of the uh, counseling. 
Okay. What is but the closing one is specific. It's a specific tool. It's a specific in terms of specific intention. What is it? Mark mentioned it earlier. It's the mind treatment. Yeah. Yeah, it's the treatment. So it's the, you know, and Mark, in the GODS, what's the most, when we're talking about treatment, what's the, what element of it is really the kind of textbook definition of treatment? The declaration. Yeah, D. So we're declaring the truth. So that's what the closing one for is for. That's your offering the treatment. And so, Mark, typically, at the, if it's at the end of the session, the D is the treatment. Why do we, what's the purpose, what, what does the O, the offering, serve? What purpose does that serve? Um, the offering serves um, a conscious acknowledgement of what um, the client is experiencing or going through. Um, and it allows them and supports them in handing it over to the Holy Spirit um, yeah. so they can receive mm-hmm. back to their declaration. Yep. Which is- yep. Yep, 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 yep. So, Mark, why don't you go take the next question. Uh, describe or define active listening. Active listening um, is listening uh, for patterns that we hear in the uh, client's share of what they're discussing. Um, It's also being fully present um, as opposed to in our own heads, but really listening from the the ear of God. Yeah, gorgeous. Gorgeous. Is it ever okay to update your Facebook status while in a counseling session, Mark? Only if they are really crazy, but otherwise, no. Exactly, yeah. Only if they wouldn't notice you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, gorgeous, yeah. Beautiful answer. Anybody else, would uh, Would anyone else like to add to active listening? Great, okay. Uh why is it important never to touch a client in a session, even if it's to comfort them? Oh, touching a client. Hold on. I'm going to give Martha an opportunity to think, to share what she thinks might, might be the, the reason. Because it's tough to flow with a person. Either um, people need sometimes time to just um, for the emotions to come up. They don't. Yeah. You know, not everybody um, emotions react the same way, and also not to like um, the other side of they're their poor girl kind of thing. Not. Because sometimes if they do that, it, they go back into self-victimization, I think. If you hug them every yeah. time. Then. So both ways. Once for a long time to, you know, let, get it out. Release yeah. whatever they need to release. Most that's important. That's exactly right. Yep. 
And, you know, you just said something actually really insightful, Martha, and that's the idea of uh, the victimization thing. Sometimes if you're like, if you're going there comforting them, rubbing their back and stuff, it's, it's a confirmation that they've been victimized. It's confirmation that, you know, their story is true. And remember, we're holding the space. So we know that everything that's unfolded, for whatever reason, is part of their greatest good. And that uh, the only truth is that God is. And so we allow them to have their process. We allow them to have whatever up, uh, whatever needs to come up to come up. And we give them the space to have that. We honor their experience by giving them the space to have that. So, um, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Spot on, Martha, spot on. And, okay, so how about just from uh, from being a um, spiritual counselor, uh, you're alone in the room with someone, and sometimes you're going to be alone in the room with someone that you don't know, you know, that you're just getting to know. So why is another, why is it also maybe wise to not touch someone, especially someone you don't know in a counseling session. Go ahead, Mike. Okay, I was just going to say, I mean, they could have had previous experience with molestation or being touched inappropriately, that that could just immediately re-trigger that that experience for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do everything that you logically can to create a safe space, right? And also to maintain the integrity of your um, position, you know? And the truth is when two people are alone, then it's always two perspectives. And so you just don't give any, you, you create no room, you know, you do everything in your own power to create a safe and professional healing experience for that person. Beautiful. Good, guys. Good, 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 good. Okay. Um, okay, what are you listening for in a spiritual counseling session? I Rand I, I, or Mark. Nope. Yeah. Mark, you um, did mention it before. You mentioned it before, Mark. What was it? You listen for patterns and what they're sharing. Yeah. And what do you, give an example of a pattern. Um, So a pattern could be someone saying like, oh, you know, I have, you know, this friend who, you know, just is always going behind my back and talking about me. And then they say like, and I have this family member who's just always talking about me. And then it's like, and I have this coworker who's always talking about me. And you're kind of like, Hmm. Okay. So notice that you're having a seem like you're you're noticing a lot of people talk, you know, talking about you behind your back. What's up with that? And then that opens the conversation to see where they're probably talking about themselves or talking about other people as well. Exactly. So, Mark, what's a way that you could maybe um, discover a pattern by, uh, let's say, someone just shares one experience and say, you know, I'm feeling really bullied at work by my boss. And they share, and then you're curious, hmm, or maybe intuitively you're like, I feel like this might be a pattern. How can you discover that in this session? What's a question that you could ask that could lead them to uh, discovering a, a pattern? 
you can always ask them, where else have you had this experience before? Or where else has it come up for you? Yes, exactly. Yep, 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 yep. And you, exactly right. You can just say, oh, that's really interesting. Is there, where else in your life have you had an experience like that? Where else have you seen something like that pop up? And then I, I, I would say, you know, eight out of ten times it pops up. It's that whole idea of how you do anything is how you do everything. So it's generally, you know, if they're sharing, if they're coming to you with an experience of feeling or being treated in some specific way, most of the time I think that it's a reflection of a pattern. So that's one way that you can discover that, peel away a layer. Any other questions? Yeah, it's also on... um Listening to the beliefs where the suffering is coming from. Yep. Yeah, we're just uncovering beliefs. We're uncovering beliefs. Anything that creates upset, discomfort, irritation, anger, you know, I mean, this is where the Byron Katie work, when they're, when they're really triggered by someone else, that's, uh, you know, oftentimes a great time to, sort of walk them through, talk them through the Byron Katie inquiry process, you know. You know, I'm so angry at my husband because he's not X, Y, and Z. And you can say, oh, yeah, I understand that. But is it true? Are you angry at your husband because of that? You know, and then walking through that. So patterns, belief systems, thoughts that just aren't true. And where is it that we always want to guide them to? if the story is creating upset in their life and we know that what you pay attention to manifests in your life, we give power to whatever we pay attention to, where is it that we, we want to guide them to? We want to guide them to where it's not occurring and have them <clears throat> seeing the evidence of the opposite. Yeah, exactly. That's great. So we want to take them to the place where they're not so much invested in the Story as they are in looking at what they're interested in experiencing, right? We know the story is going to cause upset in our life. And it, we don't necessarily have to go digging about all of the different ways in which it's creating upset. We can lovingly guide them to the solution. What are you interested in? How are you interested in feeling? What is the, you know, what are your goals for experiencing joy and comfort in your life, you know, begin to guide them there. And what we know is that when we focus on what we're interested in and we take our, and we start going in that direction, whatever's preventing us from experiencing that is going to come up. That's just what happens. But we don't have to necessarily go rummage around through all of the baggage. We can shift the attention to the light and whatever's preventing them from experiencing the light is going to come up. All of this stuff you're going to get clarity on when you're actually doing the work with each other. You know, you'll be like, oh, okay, I got, I got, I get what they mean now by that. So let's, can, let's move on so we can get to the worksheet. Why is, why is it important, important to begin and end on time? It's important um, because my time is of value 
and to teach people of the value of time and also to have people being accountable and being able to explore if they're unable to be on time, why that is, if that's a repeating pattern in their life, and again, uncover the beliefs around time and accountability. Yeah, beautiful. Who else would like to add to that? Also, if it's important to them, they're going to show up. And that's just a reflection mm-hmm. of it. How committed they are to actually wanting to um, solve or figure out what they need to figure out. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And again, I'll... It's- I'll Go ahead. It's keeping up to the commitment. It's keeping up to your commitment that you have established uh, from the start uh, during the consultation about time integrity. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what else? There's something else that we talked about earlier that, that we do as a counselor, something that we, um, one of the first things that we consider and I think time integrity supports us in doing this. It helps us what? What does it help us create? Safe space. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. They teach us, you know, when we took our parenting classes for the adoption stuff that you know, kids actually thrive with discipline. You know, they feel safe when there's discipline, when there's clear uh, rules and boundaries. They feel safe in that. And the same goes with this. Now, the one exception, and this is, again, this is something that you, as the counselor, feel into intuitively, but make sure that it's a conscious decision on your end, that it's not that you lose track of time. If you feel as though the session is not complete, that there's more work for you guys to do in that session, then um, I think then that's the exception which you can go, you can take the session longer. But it should be a conscious decision on your end. And you should check in with the client as well. And um, yeah, cool, great. Because um, I don't think that you're you're sacrificing the integrity of the session. If you, if it's a conscious decision, I think you're fulfilling your role as a healing, uh, as a healing channel in their life. If you feel like, no, intuitively, I feel like we're not done. I feel like there's further we can go today. I want to check in with you. How do you feel about that? Okay, great. So let's continue. Okay. Um, How long should you wait before you cancel a session due to tardiness? It's up to each counselor, but 15 minutes seems appropriate. Mm -hmm. And let's say somebody's 15 minutes late. Are you obligated to go uh, to give them the full hour? No, you simply give them the remaining time that they have left on their session. Exactly. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. If you choose not to cancel the appointment. 
Beautiful. Great, guys. Really good work. Um, God, there was something else that came up that I wanted to talk about. Yes, rates. Okay, cool. Um, okay. Uh, okay, what are a few key words a spiritual counselor can use to offer guidance as opposed to giving direction? What are a few key words a spiritual counselor can use to offer guidance as opposed to giving direction? So I answered this by like, with like the opening, something like, oh, well, you know, I encourage you to. Mm-hmm. Like, like. <clears throat> yep. Mm-hmm. What are other words like that? Like I encourage you. What are other things that you could use? Other words. I invite you, I, yes. you know, you know uh, something for you to consider. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. And also, this is where you could supplement a personal experience as a um, sort of a teaching tool. You know, uh, you know, this... This something similar happened to me. This is what I did. So I invite you to consider that as a possibility um, if it resonates with you. Beautiful, guys. Great. Any with anyone else? Any other thoughts? Okay. Um, in what circumstances should you have recorded notes on a session? In what circumstances should you have recorded notes on a session? Nothing at all. No, that's not quite accurate. If someone admits to being involved in a a crime. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, life-threatening situations. Yes, uh huh, yep. If someone admits to being a crime, if they have uh, admitted that they are considering harming themselves, if they've admitted that they're considering harming another person, if they've admitted that they are uh, harming a child or a senior, if there's neglect or abuse in that capacity, it is important that you have notes on that session and that they're filed away with the dates and what happens, sort of like an incident report. You don't have to let them know that you're doing that. You just do it for your own files, for your own uh, records. And then um, we had been researching the mandated reporting. And um, in California, the main focus is about child abuse and neglect. So if in some capacity your client admits to abusing a child or neglecting a child, then you call, that's when you can call the police. I would say, uh, so here, the link below provided is actually um, a mandated reporting training thing that you can do online. I'm going to be doing it. I encourage you all to consider doing it. It's good information. But it's, you know, if they say they're going to harm somebody else, if they're going to harm themselves, if they're um, abusing a child or neglecting a senior in some capacity, those are the four main times that you can uh, report the incident. 
you know, and, and, and feel it to yourself. But with each and every one of those situations and experiencing, make sure that you um, have notes on it. So, you know, if you're ever approached by police, by anyone, you can say, well, these are the notes. I definitely took notes on it, and this is what I suggested that they do. So, you know, if someone's in harm's way, you have to make a suggestion to them. You know, if, um, you know, if they're thinking of killing themselves, you have, to, you have to at least suggest that they consider checking themselves into a mental institution or getting support, and you have to write down exactly what you suggested. I also think that, and if we're, uh, hold on one second, Soki, let me finish. Uh, we're okay. also, the outreach committee on the board of directors is creating a, um, a list of crisis support organizations that you can recommend anybody to. Uh, you can give them that list if they're in crisis, suicide hotlines, uh, hospitals, mental health facilities, um, even shelters and things to that capacity. Um, go ahead, Soki. You don't put the notes while in front of the client. You do it after. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you make the notes after the client leaves. Yeah, you don't do it. You don't do it during. <laughs> you don't do it during your session. You do it after the session. Any other questions? Okay, so I'm going to propose, we're going to take five more minutes to talk about um, counseling. And it's about rates, okay? So um, when you're offering uh, your 20 hours of, um, of required counseling for your license, it's free or they, you can, they can offer a love, they can make a love offering, but you don't have a suggested amount on that <coughs> for your 20 hours. After that, you're more than welcome to decide on what rate feels good to you as far as counseling goes. And, um, but let's talk about Let's talk about uh, your responsibility as a counselor and also talk about the idea of withholding. So when is it, um, and this is, again, this is, this is a matter of preference, and you have to feel into it for yourself naturally. There's no rule or regulation on it. Um, but as a practitioner, you know, it's sort of we're making a commitment to God to ourselves, to our highest, holiest self, to be a channel and a conduit of healing. And that doesn't necessarily obligate you to sit with everyone who wants counseling, but um, when is it um, okay to, in uh, what situations and circumstances are, are you willing, and this is something for you to think about, what situations and circumstances are you willing to see someone for uh, under your suggested rate. So let's talk about that uh, and your thoughts and your opinions on that. Like what, 
what situations and circumstances feel organic and good to you to meet with someone who can't afford, let's say, let's say you had a uh, suggested donation of $75. Someone reaches out to you and they're, uh, they feel called to work with you, they feel connected with you, but let's say they can only <coughs> offer $25. In what situations and circumstances do you feel comfortable saying, okay, offer what you can? I think for me, if if I can sort of glean that the person who's making the request is has a spiritual awareness and a an understanding of spiritual principles and they and they're just demonstrating a willingness to apply them, right? So just a couple of questions to kind of determine if they're just stuck and they need help getting unstuck and saying, Okay, well, you know what, let's do three sessions on this thing that's bothering you right now at that rate and I'm willing to offer you that. And then they basically have three sessions to get unstuck, you know, or at the last session I'll leave them with some books and things to read to further their development. But sort of if they're really stuck in their story and they just want to come and be sad and complain, then, you know, no number of sessions is really going to help them. So why give them away for less than they're worth? Good. Yeah, great. That's that's yeah, good. It's a way of her. She's feeling into it. She's allowing her intuition to sort of guide her. She's asking them about the situation and circumstance. Beautiful. What else? Hey, it's Brandon. <clears throat> oh my God, I just didn't mean to do that because I know Mark and Jennifer always make fun of me for introducing myself. Um. <laughs> so, anyways, I think I said this at the retreat, but um. I've found that it's important for me to have a fixed rate no matter what that feels most ethical to me. And then, like Jesse said, um, if someone can't afford it, then they are more than welcome to do a love offering if I want, if I choose to work with them. And what determines if it's right for me to work with them is, and again, I think we're all going to have different things to look out for. But um, mine, um, when I do, like, the intake, the, like, 20-minute call, I see how <laughs> – I see if I can actually work with them. Like, if they're in consistent victim mindset and they just want to dump, then I can't really do much spiritual solution with them. And um, for me, it's – I, <clears throat> I have a pretty good meter on that just – based off of how much um, 12-step program I have under my belt. But also, if someone is going through something, oftentimes that I've been interested in being more um, masterful in helping others around that I haven't really had an opportunity, because I'll say like the past half of the, like past six months, I get really high um, achievers, people that are, you know, I think functioning higher than me a lot of times. So I don't often feel like I am offering as much as maybe I would to someone who's really just trying to put their life together. So that might be someone I'd be looking forward to. Um, 
a lot of times it doesn't have to do anything with how much money they have or how much whatever, because I don't know the true situation of someone's finances. Someone with $30,000 a year might be better financially than someone with $100,000 a year. So I don't try to play that game. Um, Mine's just if they're aligned with things that I'm wanting to know more about um, because the therapy is done equally on to both of us, the counseling is done equally on to both of us, then I will um, consider it. What's a tool you could use to help check in with that and really, and really like uh, align yourself with your inner guidance? Well, um, prayer and meditation. There you go. <laughs> if, if ever you're on the uh, fence, you know, you don't have to commit to anything right away. You can always be like, you know, great. Thanks for giving me that information. I'll uh, reach out. I'll reach back to you and pray. You know, just pray yeah. on it. And if it feels like, you know, if it feels like this is part of your karma, you know, if it's in alignment with, if this is important for you to meet with this person, to connect with this person, then do so. And then if not, you know, you can always refer them to, like, you know, life support. So, you know, um, I, right now I'm, I, I don't have space to take on any new clients one-on-one, but I'm really going to encourage you to uh, check out life support. It's a, it's, a group, it's a group experience. You know, it's weekly. It's totally free. You can make a donation if you feel led to. And my, myself or one of my colleagues is going to be facilitating it. It's a wonderful opportunity to you know, share your experiences. So always give them a solution, you know. Um, Yeah, so these are all things that we're going to develop and discover and work with as we uh, have more experience. So the conversation will be ever-evolving. And uh, we actually took nine minutes instead of five minutes to discuss this. So let's take a break. Let's take three minutes and come back with Course in Miracles. And I think we're actually going to finish up the manual for teachers today. Very exciting. So uh, see you in three minutes.
Okay. So we are back. My updated Course in Miracles here. Great. All right. Any questions come up about spiritual counseling while you were on the break? Anything that you wanted to check in about? Just a reminder, the first 10 counseling sessions are to be done with other practitioners. So call each other. Make appointments with one another. You know, do swaps so you can uh, – everyone can get experience and, you know, it's never a bad thing to be able to process with your friends. So, um, Anyhow, all right, so let's, let's dive into our Course in Miracles teachings uh, for the day. So we're starting with uh, number 27, What is Death? Page 66 in the Manual for Teachers. What is Death? And Ellie, are you on the call? Did you make it to the call? Okay. Uh, so here's the reading order. We'll do uh, Mark, Soki, Jennifer, Martha, Brandon. And then I'll read one after Brandon. So Mark, Soki, Jennifer, Martha, Brandon, Jesse. Okay? So Mark, whenever you're ready. What is that? Death is the central dream from which all illusions stem. Is it not madness to think of life as being born, aging, losing vitality, and dying in the end? We have asked this question before, but now we need to consider it more carefully. It is the one fixed, unchangeable belief of the world that all things in it are born only to die. This is regarded as the way of nature, not to be raised to question, but to be accepted as the natural law of life. The cyclical, the changing and unsure, the undependable and the unsteady waxing and waning in a certain way upon a certain path. All this is taken as the will of God, and no one asks if a benign creator could will this. In this perception of the universe as God created it, it would be impossible to think of him as loving for who has decreed that all things pass away, ending in dust and disappointment and despair can be feared, can but be feared. He holds your little life in his hand, but by a thread ready to break it off without regret or care, perhaps today. Or if he waits, yet is the ending certain. Who loves such a God knows not of love because he has denied that life is real. Death has become life symbol. His world is now a battleground where contradiction reigns and opposites make endless war. Where there is death is peace impossible. Death is the symbol of the fear of God. His love is blotted out in the idea which holds it from awareness like a shield held up to the obscure sun. The grimness of the symbol is enough to show it cannot coexist with God. It holds an image of the Son of God in which he is led to rest in devastation's arms. 
where worms wait to greet him and to the last and to last a little while by his destruction. Yet the worms are well as well are doomed to be destroyed as certainly, and so do all things live because of death, devouring its nature law of life. God is insane and fear alone is real. The curious belief that there is part of dying things that may go on apart from what will die does not proclaim a loving God nor a reestablish nor reestablish any grounds for trust. If death is real for anything, there is no life. Death denies life, but if there is reality in life, death is denied. No compromise in this is possible. There is either a God of fear or one of love. The world attempts a thousand compromises and will attempt a thousand more. Not one can be acceptable to God's teachers because not one could be acceptable to God. He did not make death because he did not make fear. Both are equally meaningless to him. The reality of death is firmly rooted in belief that God's son is a body, and if God created bodies, death would indeed be real, but God would not be loving. There is no point at which the contrast between the perception of the real world and that of the world of illusions becomes more sharply evident. Death is indeed the death of God, if he is love, and now his own creation must stand in fear of him. He's not father but destroyer. He's not creator but avenger. Terrible his thoughts and fearful his image. To look on his creations is to die. In the last, last to be... Oh, all right. No, it's okay. I'm just feeding into my unworthiness beliefs. Um, just alone in the corner, Reverend Jesse by himself. Okay, hold on. <laughs> and the last to be overcome will be death. Of course, without the idea of death, there is no world. All dreams will end with this one. This is salvation's final goal, the end of all illusions. And in death are all illusions born. What can be born of death and still have life? But what is born of God and still can die? The inconsistencies, the compromises, and the rituals the world fosters in its vain attempts to cling to death and yet to think love real are mindless magic, ineffectual, and meaningless. God is, and in him all created things must be eternal. Do you not see that otherwise he has an opposite and fear would be as real as love? Feature of God, your one assignment could be stated thus. Accept no compromise in which death plays a part. Do not believe in cruelty, nor let attack conceal the truth from you. What seems to die has but, but been misperceived and carried to illusion. Now it becomes your task to let the illusion be carried to the truth. Be steadfast, but in this, be not deceived by the reality of any changing form. Truth neither moves nor wavers nor sinks down to death in disillusion. And what is in the end of death? Nothing but this, the realization that the Son of God is guiltless now and forever. Nothing but this. But do not let yourself forget it is not less than this. All right, so first let's explore paragraph five. I think that this is some of the meat of the teaching. 
So, Brandon, you read paragraph five, just for the sake of it, so we can have it one more time. Would you please reread it? Uh, read it a little slowly, so we can really let each sentence sink in. You know, Jesse, I'd be honored to. <clears throat> Thank you, Brandon. Thank you so much for stepping up. <laughs> Um, the reality of death is firmly rooted in the belief that God's son is a body. And if God created bodies, death would indeed be real, but God would not be loving. There is no point at which the contrast between the perception of the real world and that of the world of illusions becomes more sharply evident. Death is indeed the death of God if he is loved. And now his own creation must stand in fear of him. He's not father, but destroyer. He's not creator, but avenger. Terrible his thoughts and fearful his image. To look on his creation is to die. Yeah, so so let's put this in context to testimony of light. Okay, so... And remember that wonderful reading, that article that we uh, talked about, um, we reviewed what happens to the ego when the body dies. So if God's son is not a body, then what is God's son? Let me be a little more current. If God's creation is not a body, the children of God is not a body, then what are the children of God? Energy, spirit. Yeah, what are they a part of? God. Love. God's love? Yeah. So, um, okay, so think of it in this capacity. You know, we've used the analogy of the ocean and that each of us being a drop in the ocean, that there's not one part of us that isn't totally and completely ocean and there's not any part of us that's not connected to every other part of the ocean but it's we're not the entirety of the ocean we're a part of the ocean and yet the ocean is incomplete without our drop of water in it so another way of looking at it is that they consider the sun and they consider all the rays of the sun is there any part of the rays of the sun that isn't sunlight no, but is the sun is is a ray of the sun the entirety of the sun? No, it's a part of it, and yet the sun is incomplete without it. So that's something for us to really consider. In the illusion of separation, what is the perfect what is the perfect symbol for separation that we use in the illusion of separation? What's the best symbol that we've created? body yeah the body the body yeah the body the body is a symbol of separation and when we believe that the body the symbol is real is true then we create a narrative of limitation we create a narrative of unworthiness of danger and all that stems from a belief in what 
separation, yes, but what is this talking about? It's the belief in... Fear? Fear of death. Death. Of death. Yeah, it's death, death, death. The big D. The big D. And uh, because if we are the body, then what does death mean? We are separated from God. We are the body. Yes, but let's really think about that. If, if, if the truth of who we are begins and ends with our physical body, then what does death mean? The end of our existence. Yes, yes, exactly. So that's just it. And, but God is eternal. And God only creates that which is like itself. And so if we believe that we are limited, that death is the end of us, then it keeps us in what? What's the opposite of love? Fear. Yeah, it keeps us in fear. And yet what is all-encompassing can have no opposite. So if... Love is all-encompassing. If the truth of who we are is that we are extensions of perfect love, perfect God, if we are rays of the sun, perfect, holy, complete, eternal beings of light, (laughs) then what is fear? If that's all that there is, fear doesn't actually exist, then what is fear? It's uh, what? Illusion. Yes, it's an illusion. It's an illusion. So this is this is how we begin to peel away the layers. This is the this is what we contemplate. When we think about all the things we're afraid of. Think of all the ways that we feel limited. Think of all the ways that we feel unimportant or less than. I mean, contemplate that that God is not complete without you in it. That's how important you are. That's how important you are. God is incomplete without you in it. And yet, we go around acting like our thoughts don't matter, we don't matter, nothing that we do matters. Might as well just, you know, give up and why even try? And there's no space to enjoy life and all that stuff. Let's take it back to module one. What is the will of God? What's God's will for us? For us to be happy. Yeah, yeah, our perfect happiness. God's will for us is our perfect happiness. And how do we uncover perfect happiness? How do we discover uh, perfect happiness? How do we embody that? By remembering what? The truth of who we are. Yeah, the truth of who we are. So here it is. So God's will for us is perfect happiness. Our will and God's will are the same. We discover, we experience our perfect happiness when we uncover the truth of who we are. So in order to 
be in alignment with God's will in order to allow our true will to express itself in our life. We discover who we are, and this is why we have our spiritual practice. It supports us in aligning with God's will, relinquishing the belief in death, relinquishing the belief in separation, relinquishing the belief that we are limited, that we are limited to these human bodies, that we are these human bodies. Those beliefs keeps us in upset and fear. They keep us spinning around in all the ways and reasons why we should not be happy, why we should you know, be inconsolable, why we should eh, yada, yada, yada. So it's through this practice, the unlearning practice, and we're just unlearning the beliefs that aren't true. That's all that we're doing. We're just unlearning the beliefs that aren't true so we can enjoy our lives, so we can be in alignment with God's will, which is our perfect happiness. Relinquish the fear of death because death is not the end. Death is no thing. Death is no thing. Any other thoughts on this section? Anything that stood out to anyone? Let's go to the next chapter, 28. And uh, I know Mark just read, but we're going to let him read again because who wouldn't want to listen to the soothing baritone, delicious melodies of Mark's speaking voice, right? Am I right? So, uh, so Mark, Soki, Jennifer, Martha, Brandon, and Rev Jess. Hit it. All right. Okay. Uh, what is the resurrection? Very simply, the resurrection is the overcoming or surmounting of death. It is a reawakening or a rebirth, a change of mind about the meaning of the world. It is the acceptance of the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the world's purpose the acceptance of the atonement for oneself. It is the end of dreams of misery and the glad awareness of the Holy Spirit's final dream. It is the recognition of the gifts of God. It is the dream in which the body functions perfectly, having no function except communication. It is the lesson in which learning ends, for it is a consummated and surpassed with this. It is the invitation to God to take his final step. It is the relinquishment of all other purposes, all other interests, all other wishes, and all other concerns. It is the single desire of the Son for the Father. The resurrection is the denial of death, being the assertion of life. Jazz is all the thinking of the world reversed entirely. Life is now recognized as salvation, and pain and misery of any kind perceived as hell. Love is no longer feared, but gladly welcomed. Idols have disappeared, and the remembrance of God shines unimpeded across the world. Christ's faith is seen in every living thing, and nothing is held in darkness apart from the light of forgiveness. There is no sorrow still upon the earth. The joy of heaven has come upon it. Here the curriculum ends. From here on, no directions are needed. Vision is wholly corrected and all mistakes undone. Attack is meaningless and peace has come. The goal of the curriculum has been achieved. Thoughts turn to heaven and away from hell. All longings are satisfied for what remains unanswered or incomplete. The last illusion spreads across the world for giving all things and replacing all attack. 
the whole reversal is accomplished. Nothing is left to contradict the word of God. There is no opposite to the truth. And now the truth can come at last. How quickly will it come as it is asked to enter and envelop such a world? All living hearts are tranquil with a stir of deep anticipation, for the time of everlasting things is now at hand. There is no death. The Son of God is free, and in his freedom is the end of fear. No hidden places now remain on earth to shelter sick illusions, dreams of fear, and misperceptions of the universe. All things are seen in light, and in the light their purpose is transformed and understood. And we, God's children, rise up from the dust and look upon our perfect sinlessness. The sound of heaven sounds around the world as it is lifted up and brought to truth. Now there are no distinctions. Differences have disappeared and love looks on itself. What further sight is needed? What remains that vision could accomplish? We have seen the face of Christ, his sinlessness, his love behind all forms, beyond all purposes. Holy are we because his holiness has set us free indeed. And we accept his holiness as ours, as it is. As God created us, so we will be forever and forever. And we, will, we wish for nothing but his will to be our own. Illusions of another will, will are lost, for unity of purpose has been found. These things await us all but we are not prepared as yet to welcome them with joy. As long as any mind remains possessed of evil dreams, the thought of hell is real. God's teachers have the goal of awakening the minds of those asleep and seeing there the vision of Christ's face to take the place of what they dream. The thought of murder is replaced with blessing. Judgment is laid by and given him whose function judgment is, and in his final judgment is restored the truth about the Holy Son of God, He is redeemed, for he has heard God's word and understood its meaning. He is free because he let God's voice proclaim the truth, and all he sought before to crucify are resurrected with him, by his side as he prepares with them to meet his God. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. That is like a free buffet at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Like, yummy, right? Ugh. God. So, discuss what what uh, what stood out to you in this in this section. My teachers of God, my spiritual leaders. Tell me about the resurrection. I feel like I could read this every day, and I would be done. Like there would be like nothing else for me to even process because this just feels so good. Right? Mm-hmm. It makes it simple, really. I mean, simple, not necessarily easy, but it really makes it simple. Like, just let go of like everything your ego wants to think and uh, bam, there you are. Jesus, good to go. All we have to do is let go of everything we've ever been taught, and then, bam, we have it. Mm-hmm. For me, it gave me, like, a sense of the feeling of what it's going to be when we're all awake. Um, it felt very holy, this reading. 
Yes, beautiful. So think about it. If we were able to see everybody as they are, all right, be able to see the truth in everyone, how would that shift your experience with, God, so many things, right? How would that shift your experience with your relationship with your parents? How would that shift your experience with President Trump and his cabinet, you know, of, of, of everything, any world leader, dictator, people that seem to be enslaving other people. If we awoke to, this, to the truth that we are not the bodies and we saw it as such, then we would see everything as perfectly innocent, people just living out a dream of separation, but it's just a dream. And all of the mistakes and all of the, everything that they do comes from a, from a space of innocence, a perfect innocence, just a mistaken, uh, just a, it's just a case of mistaken identity. So in being able to transcend all of that, and if these ideas feel confronting, they absolutely are. They are absolutely confronting to the ego because the ego which is the belief in separation, the belief that makes us feel as though we are these bodies, the belief that makes us feel that we come from a specific class, that there's specific, you know, whatever, you know, around us, all of those things that, the things that we've accepted as truth and allowed ourselves to create uh, limiting experiences for ourselves, you know, in our experience, that makes sense, limiting experiences for ourselves in our experience. (laughs) But everything that we have used as an excuse to why we can't be happy, can't be fulfilled, can't be whatever, all of those disappear. And we realize it never was. It was never important anyway. We had the experience of it, but it really is um, magnificent. So the significance of the resurrection, of Jesus' teaching of the resurrection, you know, People look so much on the crucifixion. So really considering these last two teachings, we see now why the crucifixion didn't matter. It was the death of a body, but the body never existed. The body is insignificant. The resurrection is the teaching because the teaching is that we are not these bodies. The teaching was like this is the, you know, I dissolve the appearance of limitation. I dissolve the appearance of time and space. I dissolve the appearance of death. This and more shall you do. My Father through me. So God through me does all these things, and God is in each and every one of us. So look what we can do when we know who and what we are. We transcend the barriers of limitation that we have put on ourselves through our misperception. But, you know... I mean, if you really look at at it, you know, the, so many people talk about like the Illuminati and all these people making decisions, you know, and like this elite group of people, powerful people that make decisions to keep them in power and other people enslaved. But in essence, it's this, it's this belief. It's, 
it's knowing that our thoughts are creative and knowing that if you keep people in fear that they will be subservient, they'll be sheep, you know. And so when we allow our fear to, to guide us, to govern us, then um, we're controllable. And so if you look at certain administrations and things like that, when their tactic is fear, it's really a tactic of control. Wild. And so when you, upon awakening, you start to see like, oh my God. (laughs) Now I understand. Now I see. So when you start, you know, when you stop being afraid, when you no longer are willing to be afraid, you then become a threat to the, to the belief system of fear. And the people, I mean, look at this. Look at Martin Luther King Jr. It's a wonderful example of someone who was no longer willing to be afraid of the people who seemed to be in power and what a threat that was to the people in power. Because if he wasn't afraid, then that means that he saw himself as equal. He had the courage to take a stand for love. Right? So they kill him. But in essence, the resurrection, his resurrection, was that we still talk about him today. He's still one of the most revered figures in American history, in world history. So he lives on. But he was courageous enough to put his body on the line because, you know, take this body. I remember my, uh, Reverend Roxy was uh, her husband, her, her, ex, her ex-husband. They never officially got divorced. They're still in each other's lives. But he got sick and he was dying. And she said to me one day, she goes, God, it's just torture. They're just so invested in keeping that body of his alive. Like no matter what, keep that body alive. And she goes, it's just such a sad thing to see him in such pain. And like, he's so ready to go. He doesn't want to stick around, but they're forcing him to keep his body alive because we're so invested in the body surviving. Because if the body survives, then that means we survive. But if you take that equation out, then, oh my gosh, when it's time to go, why not go? (laughs) Right? Any other thoughts? Any final thoughts? It's a good, um, it's, it's really something to contemplate as spiritual teachers and teachers of God. What keeps you in fear? What prevents you from saying what you feel needs to be said? Or what prevents you from saying what you, need, what you feel needs to be said from a space of love? What keeps you in fear? Well, we have 15 minutes left in one last section. So let's read it. Mark, whenever you're ready, take us home, brother. Okay. All right. As for the rest, this manual is not intended to answer all questions that both teacher and pupil may raise. In fact, it covers only a few of the more obvious ones in terms of a brief summary of some of the major concepts in the text and workbook. It is not a substitute for either, but merely a supplement. While it is called a manual for teachers, it must be remembered that only 
time divides teacher and pupil, so that the difference is temporary by definition. In some cases, it may be helpful for the pupil to read the manual first. Others might do better to begin with the workbook. Still others may need to start at, more, at the more abstract level of the text. Which is for which? Who would profit more from prayers alone? Who needs but a smile? Being as yet unready for more. No one should attempt to answer these questions alone. Surely no teacher of God has come this far without realizing that. The curriculum is highly individualized and all aspects are under the Holy Spirit's particular care and guidance. Ask and he will answer. The responsibility is his and he alone is fit to assume it. To do so is his function. To refer the question to him is yours. Would you want to be responsible for decisions about which you understand so little? Be glad you have a teacher who cannot make a mistake. His answers are always right. Would you say that of yours? There is another advantage and a very important one in referring decisions to the Holy Spirit with increasing frequency. Perhaps you have not thought of this aspect, but it certainly is obvious. To follow the Holy Spirit's guidance is to let yourself be absolved of guilt. It is the essence of the atonement. It is the core of the curriculum, the imagined unsurping of function not your own is the basis of fear. The whole world you see reflects the illusion that you have done so, making fear inevitable. To return to the function of the one to whom it belongs is thus the escape from fear, and it is this that lets the memory of love return to you. Do not then think that following the Holy Spirit's guidance is necessary merely because of your own inadequacy. It is the way out of hell for you. Here again is a paradox often referred to in the Course. To say of myself I can do nothing is to gain all power, and yet it is but a seeming paradox. As God created you, you have all power. The image you made of yourself has none. The Holy Spirit knows the truth about you. The image you made does not. Yet despite its obvious and complete ignorance, this image assumes it knows all things because you have given that belief to it. Such is your teaching and the teaching of the world that was made to uphold it. But the teacher who knows the truth has not forgotten it. His decisions bring benefit to all, being wholly devoid of, a, of attack and therefore incapable of arousing guilt. Who assumes a power that he does not possess is deceiving himself, yet to accept the power given him by God is but to acknowledge his creator and accept his gifts. And his gifts have no limit. To ask the Holy Spirit to decide for you is simply to accept your true inheritance. Does this mean that you cannot say anything without consulting him? No, indeed. That would be hardly practical. That would hardly be practical and is practical and is the practical with which this course is most concerned. If you have made it a habit to ask for help when and where you can, you can be confident that wisdom will be given when you need it. Prepare for this each morning. Remember God when you can throughout the day. Ask the Holy Spirit's help when it is feasible to do so and thank him for his guidance at night. 
and your confidence will be well-founded indeed. Never forget that the Holy Spirit does not depend on your words. He understands the requests of your heart and answers them. Does this mean that while attack remains attractive to you, he will respond with evil? Hardly. For God has given him the power to translate your prayers of the heart into his language. He understands that an attack is a call for help, and he responds with help accordingly. God would be cruel if he let your words replace his own. A loving father does not let his child harm himself or choose his own destruction. He may ask for injury, but his father will protect him still, and how much more than this does your father love his son? Remember, you are his completion and his love. Remember, your weakness is his strength. But do not read this hastily or wrongly. If his strength is in you, what you perceive as your weakness is but an illusion, and he has given you the means to prove it so. Ask all things of his teacher, and all things are given you. Not in the future, but immediately. Now. God does not wait, for waiting implies time, and he is timeless. Forget your foolish images, your sense of frailty, your fear of harm, your dreams of danger, and selected wrong. God knows but his son, and as he was created, so he is. In confidence, I place you in his hands, and I give thanks for you that this is so. And now in all your doings, be you blessed. God turns to you for help to save the world. Teacher of God, his thanks he offers you. And all the world stands silent in the grace you bring from him. You are the son he loves. It is given you to be the means through which his voice is heard around the world. To close all things of time, to end the sight of all the things visible, and to undo all things that change. Through you is ushered in a world unseen, unheard, yet truly there. Holy are you in your light, the world. Reflect your holiness, for you are not alone and friendless. I give thanks for you and join your efforts on behalf of God, knowing they are on my behalf as well for all those who walk to God with me. Amen. So let's take a moment. I'm going to invite everybody to sit still, sit up straight. If there's any distractions around, power off. And just close your eyes and let's just take a moment to clear our mind to invoke that bright white light, to allow the light to fill the room you're in, to so saturate your physical body and all of your other bodies, your mental, emotional, etheric bodies, knowing that every aspect of who you are is one with this perfect light. And let's just take three minutes to rest in the light.
And take a deep breath in, stretch up. And let's just offer a blessing of gratitude to each other, to this practitioner group for having each other's backs, for lifting each other up, for coming together week after week to connect with one another, to walk with each other, to support each other, to learn and grow with one another. What a gift. Let's extend our gratitude to the Inspire community for bringing us together, for inspiring so many other people, for being a space of evolution, of revolution, of revelation, just bless each and every person that that's part of our community. Feel the love for them. Just feel the love. It's so good to just love one another. It really is. So simple, so potent, so important. Hmm. Just concluding that by saying, and so it is, God is, God is. So next week is going to be our last class of the module. This is going to be a review. You're going to get a review sheet on Friday and just going over all of the ideas that we've covered. It's not going to be a final, this module, but we're going to just have a discussion and go over everything, kind of review the, the module as it, as it was. Um, and then we'll take a couple weeks off for meeting in class. Um, <clears throat> I just got a notification that the... Uh, Spiritual Counseling Evaluation Forum uh, is set and ready to rock, so I'll send that out. I'll also send out the PDF of the ebook uh, that I mentioned earlier, the What is Death, so you can read that. It's really great, really insightful. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, again, start making plans with one another to do spiritual counseling sessions with each other. Uh, reach out and post in the PRAC1 uh, in the All Practitioner Facebook group. Reach out to PRAC1s. Uh, they'd be more than happy to sit with you and let you counsel them and, uh, you know, so you can get your hours. Um, make sure that everyone's filling out evaluation forms. And, um, yeah, great. So uh, any questions? Perfect. Hey, Jeff, well, listen. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. What are the weeks that we are taking a break? We will pick back up on. Uh, let's see. So next week is the 18th. Uh, you'll be off the 25th and the 4th. And uh, next module, guys, by the way, next module is uh, we're not going to meet every week. It's uh, generally will be every other week, every other week. And this is so you guys have more time to focus on doing your spiritual counseling hours and things like that. And this next module, what we're going to do is we're going to pretty much review everything that we've gone over in the practitioner course. So we're going to review... Uh, the teachings of Joseph Murphy, Power of Subconscious Mind. Uh, we'll go over Adrienne Gaines. We'll go over Byron Katie. We'll go over uh, Radical Forgiveness. We'll go over, 
you know, this PDF that we have that I'm seeing now about Wild is death. We'll probably reference this as we talk about, you know, uh, later life, uh, and then we'll go over, um, you know, we'll do some readings from a, from a Course in Miracles. I'll give us a couple chapters just so we can continue the conversation. And um, I don't have the date set yet. We're looking at that, but expect uh, a Saturday in May probably the 13th or the 20th um i think we're we're going we're looking to do a big fundraiser in may so uh we have to get the date on that but that will be you'll be doing your practitioner graduation in may if not may it'll be like the first saturday in june if it doesn't uh, conflict with uh pride so we're just going to, uh, yeah, it'll be a light review of all of the principles and everything like that. We'll do, uh, we'll schedule, um, and we'll talk about this at the beginning of the module, but we'll schedule uh, your oral um, panels, which is, uh, it's actually, they're a lot of fun. You just come and you uh, have an hour with uh, myself and uh, two of the Inspire reverence and we just talk about spiritual principle and law and stuff like that. Uh, Martha, if you're already fi- figuring out a way to uh, not do that, don't <laughs> don't worry. Do don't don't worry. You don't have to. If you're not interested in getting the license, if that's not a big pull for you, I still encourage you to do it because you might have a change of heart and feel drawn to get the license. I also encourage you to explore the possibility of doing some spiritual counseling hours. But, um, you know, if you, if you really are not interested, you can, uh, you can skip the panels, um, and you can still graduate with the class. It's just not a license without a license, but you'll have a certificate of completion. I mean, cause that I could do in the future if I decide, right? Like maybe next year. Next year, yeah, you'd have, you'd have to wait until the next group of practitioners do it, but yeah, uh huh. Okay, okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, everyone, well, listen, uh, I will get as soon as I can, as soon as I can. I will have dates and everything ready and organized for you guys. Uh, until then, I look forward to connecting with you soon, uh, Mark. To answer your initial question, we will probably pick up on. To be honest, it's probably going to be the 18th of March, or the uh, so you might have like a, a month off to really start with the counseling and stuff. Uh, just because uh, with the ministerial program, the first uh, Saturday that you'll probably have is on the 11th, so I don't want to do too much of a double whammy. Uh, but okay, but, oh, okay, and I was going to say. That's good to know. Um, we may just want to clarify that with the other ministers because the way I interpreted the email was that we officially started on the 13th, which means the 11th wasn't happening. Oh, 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 you're right. You're totally right. No, you're totally right. So the 25th will be the first one for the uh, minister. I'm trying to see. Yeah, so the 25th will be the first Saturday for the ministers. You're totally okay. right, Mark. Thank you. Yep. Okay, yeah. So, guys, plan on probably the 11th then. We'll probably pick up again on the 11th, March 11th, for our first class. Okay, guys. Um, 
that's it. I love you all. I'll talk to you. Oh, tomorrow is our seven-year anniversary. I hope to see you all there at the potluck. And uh, it's going to be a lovely celebration. And I uh, let's celebrate all the good that's coming up. And uh, good stuff. I'll talk to you soon. Be good. Bye. 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 Bye.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.